Welcome to the Security Lab Podcast. So, uh, Doc, you actually wrote about the Dark Basin. So, why don't you take it away? Well, Dark Basin is an interesting uh, case study because this is not something new. Uh, we've actually seen threat actors outsource their dirty laundry to someone else to do. So in that sense, it's easy for someone else to get the blame and they safely walk away. But in this story, it's not so much of threat actors or nation states, but it's more of third party vendors, private investigators who are looking at hiring people to do their dirty work. So this group, Dark Basin, was attributed to a company in India and they specialize in hacking for hire. So what they do is uh, you give them targets, they try to fish them and get their credentials. So once they get the credentials, they pass it to you and you can do whatever you want. So who did they target? They target quite a number of people, uh, non-governmental agencies, uh, human rights groups. Uh, they also target individuals, uh, those who have a probably a high-profile divorce or a huge settlement that they need to do. So it's not specifically per person or per group. Uh, they portray a typical for-hire kind of solution because they don't focus on any particular person. So if you look at their victimology, it's quite huge. You would never know who's going to end up in the list, someone who finds them and, you know, uh, they get uh, they get selected. So has anybody anybody else heard anything about Dark Basin? Because it sounds like uh, if there is a hacking for service hire out there, Dark Basin is most probably behind it. How 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 do, how do we know? Like what you hear so far? Make sure you never miss a show by clicking the subscribe button now. This podcast is made possible by listeners like you. Thank you for your support. Now, back to the show. Are there any trails or indicators to show that you know, this is being done by Dark Basin? If you look at the investigation that was carried out by Citizens Lab, they were able to accurately attribute to Dark Basin uh, simply because of a few factors. The first thing is they had very poor operational security or OPSEC. Uh, their staffs practically gloated on LinkedIn on the kind of work they did. So, which is kind of silly if you ask me. Secondly, uh, you know, it's internet, right? So, everybody asks help from everyone. So, the staff has been caught posting a sample of a phishing site with the domain that's attributed to them. So... You know, it's like, hmm, I'm doing this, I'm getting to this trouble, can someone help me? And they actually put their quote-unquote production phishing site out onto the internet so that uh, someone can see it and later attribute to them. So you have people who have posted using their real names. Yeah, in fact, if I'm not mistaken, someone or one of their employees actually posted his CV along with, um, I mean, with one, one uh, uh, when, when they were doing some kind of testing, uh, if I'm not mistaken, they actually accidentally put across uh, their own CV with their own details. So, 
And then if you look at other points of attribution is uh, they've used an email address that was originally used to register the domain for the company. So they had an email address, I believe it's a Yahoo email address that was used to register their company.org, if I'm not mistaken. And then the same email address was also used to register a few phishing sites. After discovering that they made a boo-boo, they then went back and changed the email address that is tied to the domain currently. So obviously you can look at the email address as a common factor to tie. A uh, few other distinguishing factors is that uh, they seem to use uh, Indian names or holidays uh, such as Holi, which kind of indicates Indian origin. They operate between the time zone of GMT plus five and a half hours, which also indicate IST, Indian Standard Time. So these are the factors that any threat intelligence organization would use to say with a certain degree of confidence whether these set of attacks belong to this particular threat actor. Um, now that this article has like come out and it's kind of like out in the open that Dark Basin is um, behind a lot of hacking um, events, do you think they will still continue to do what they do or they will try to change certain uh, traits about their, their, their attacks and things like that? Well, if you look at the founder, he was uh, previously indicted in the US for a similar scheme. So my guess is he's just going to ship his whole outfit somewhere else, start back with a whole set of pen testers and uh, resume his business. Uh, I'm very sure he has a lot of goodwill in the industry. Uh, he's also used by law enforcement agencies in the US. Uh, if you look at some of the uh, recommendations given uh, by law enforcement agencies, government agencies, so that kind of indicate that this group or this company or organization is well known around the law enforcement and the intelligence agency circle. So which means that most likely they know, oops, I'm busted, someone found me. So what I'm going to do is I'm just going to take my whole setup, take it out, put it somewhere else, start again. So I don't think they're going to stop, they're just going to come back with a different name, most likely. For, for me, I think what they're going to do is uh, business may actually improve because of the publicity that they are getting. Yeah, I mean now, before this, let's say if I'm, if I'm um, a service provider and I would like to hit on somebody, before this I don't know anything about dark racing. But because of the publicity that they are getting, now I can search them out and I can actually hire these guys. So it's in, it's indirect marketing for them in a way. But if I was if I let's say I'm a person with like um dubious intentions, right, and I want to employ dark business services, the fact that they are already kind of well known and um they're actually under investigation, Citizen Labs actually managed to identify them. I don't know, I I don't think I would use them. I would prefer someone who is more under the radar. Uh, but that's just me. Actually, what was on my mind is actually the opposite. I think it would give the, it, this is an opportunity for many more dark basins wannabe to come up. As I, I agree with you totally because they're already in the light. So would I still want to go to them? Or And then on the other hand, there will be many others who would like to jump on this opportunity and make a known name for themselves. Um, so I kind of agree with uh, Doc on this. Uh, the whole idea about I mean, the, the very fact that uh, they've been busted, 
uh, doesn't change the fact that they cannot operate in a different place with a different name. And given the fact that they have such goodwill and they are known within the intelligence agencies, it's going to be pretty easy for them to just pick themselves up and move to some other place. Um, coming back to the other point where, you know, that there's going to be competition, many other people will come up. It's not going to be something that's easy to start. Uh, of course, you can start. It's just that it's going to take a lot longer to do something like this. And for all you know, there may be a lot of other players in the market who haven't been busted. So that doesn't necessarily mean that there isn't competition already. I think this is what I think. I, I, I feel that uh, it doesn't really matter because uh, uh, if I'm known for what I've been uh, doing or what I've done, uh, that means I have the skill set. And if I have the skill set, I can come in as long as I'm not uh, thrown into jail or my business is uh, uh, not closed down by any of the authorities. I can still continue under a different pseudonym and it doesn't matter, I'm still me, irrespective of what nickname or what names I'm using. The skill set is still in my hands, I'm still available. I, I think there's a bit of a risk. Okay, I do not have all the details of Dark Basin's activities, who their clients, who their victims are, but it sounds like there's a lot of victims who became their clients and clients who became their victims. So if that is if that is the case, how much of a goodwill can they actually keep? I don't think that's an issue. I mean, if you look at them, they operated on above a tea stall. In, in the heart of the city where no one knew what they were doing. You have guys going into work just like normal, 9 to 5. You know, they go out for lunch, they have their lunch, they come back and they resume work. And if you look at it, that's the modus operandi of any uh, threat actor or even nation state player, right? So for them, it's like, oh, I'm busted. Fine. My trade cuff is found. Okay. Worst comes to us, I burn everything and I move to something else. Remember what happened to Shadow Broker? A whole bunch of leaks that had NSA tools, right? So now what happens? Maybe they're not using that anymore. Maybe they're using something new. Maybe they found out that whole stash was already leaked. So they decided, you know what? I might as well burn it so that no one else can use it. If anybody tries to use it, you get caught, right? So the same principle applies. They're just going to move on and say, let me get a new tool. And I start something new. So yeah, this is going to happen. And you know, it's just going to continue. It's just that we are now seeing uh, these kind of activities being monetized at a company level. The question is, is it legal? Can you do this? And, you know, and what governs it? Even if you know these guys, you can't stop them um, because you're not in authority. It's a communication between the government of a country with the government authority of the other country that they are, they are placed in to be able to shut them down. That period of time will take time as well. It's not like you just cut them off like that. You can't. I think as long as they're not caught, there's nothing to really there to stop them from doing it and also nothing to prevent them from coming up in a different phase. A different form, different flavors, everything. So, in other words, I'm saying that they will definitely continue. They were not caught by the police, uh, they were attributed. So, which means these set of attacks 
were done by these people. So essentially, their trade craft was revealed. What they did, they primarily used fishing. So we identified what kind of uh, domains they were using, what kind of methods. So, for example, they had pages that fish for Google accounts. There are pages that fish for Facebook account. And the interesting thing about them is they are very, very, very persistent. So they will try to first send you a generic phishing. If it doesn't work, they'll try to stalk you, find out things about you. Say if you have a family member, they'll try to pretend like a family member, send you an email and say, click this, do this, do that. So one of the things that made them effective, although their main trade craft was phishing, was their persistence. They were constantly trying to find something that would get the victim to click, go in and sign on. And that's how they get the accounts. Right? I'm not sure what the Indian law enforcement agencies have done because they are in India. Uh, so far, based on the Citizen Labs report, it doesn't seem to indicate that they have been caught. It only indicates that they have been busted, as in they've been found, rather than, you know, that there's someone taking them in. Yeah, along, along the lines, I mean, you have the Russian APT-29, APT-3, all these guys are busted. I mean, we know their style, their operations. Uh, were they really caught? Are they stopping? I don't think so. Thanks for joining us this week on Security Lab. Make sure to visit our website at securitylab.asia where you can subscribe to the show in iTunes, Spotify or via RSS so you'll never miss a show.